0: I'm a big believer in knowing your wiring and knowing your strengths and the areas where you're not going to be as strong. There's a test called Rocket Fuel, which I think is a really, really good one. It's part of um, a system called EOS. And basically it says two sides of, of the thing you're an ideas person, a get things started person, or you're somebody that finishes things and ties all the loose ends together. And like, what percentage of each are you? And most people will fall down really strongly on one side of the, or the other, and apparently 3% could be either. So I'd say the first thing really is kind of, is knowing, having that data on yourself and being able to call on those that are better on either side.
1: You're listening to The Bookkeeper's Podcast, sponsored by Zero. I use Zero's accounting and bookkeeping
2: software to manage my clients' accounts, and I love it. If you haven't tried it yet, head over to zero.com with an X and you can either start a free 30 day trial or sign up to Zero's partner program to join their amazing community of forward thinking accountants and bookkeepers.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Bookkeepers Podcast. I'm Zoe Whitman. I'm here with Joe Wood and we're joined by Amy Bingham. Hi, Amy. How are you doing? Hello.
0: I'm great, thank you. How are you?
1: Oh, really good. It's really nice to see you. Amy and I, our paths have crossed over years, oh, I suppose years ago now really, being in business at various events in Bristol. And um, it's really nice to chat to you. I know you've been on a journey and you, you're running this amazing business now and accountability is really your thing. And as it's the start of the year, and everyone's thinking about their goals and their strategy <laughs> and what they want to do now. We thought we'd talk about how we can achieve more faster. Um, Amy, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about your background and what you do?
0: Yeah. So I was thinking. I think we probably met about eight years ago, something like that. I know. I know. Um. So my background is right back is legal and insurance, that whole kind of sexy world. Um. I then I left that. I set up a gym. Um, I did that for just under seven years, and now, effectively, we help founders of businesses that are scaling up through the seven, eight, nine figures to get their operational house in order, to get their team systems and processes and their accountability culture in place so it can grow. Wow.
2: What a like varied journey you've had. I yeah.
1: Mean,
2: <laughs> what made you like take that massive change, like... That's three big differences how do you what made
0: you do that what inspired you i think for me my biggest core value my biggest inspiration is freedom i'm always looking for ways to create freedom and i think that's something that probably probably a lot of business owners can relate to in the sense that we don't want to just do the standard thing and kind of be held by the golden handcuffs of the nine-to-five and i did the insurance thing kind of pushed it as, as far as i could put up my own book of business And then there really wasn't anywhere else to go other than middle management, which did not look like freedom to me. It looked like another even bigger pair of handcuffs. And so I was like, well, I want to do something that's going to actually do something It's going to actually change something. I was really passionate about fitness and wellbeing and, um, it seemed like the best decision at the time, even though it was a big risk to leave a big corporate career like that behind and just kind of go cold Turkey. And I mean, I did my exams the day after my, my contract finished. So if I hadn't passed, I would have been in quite a sticky situation. Fortunately, I did. So (laughs) everything was okay. Um, And I did that and I loved it and it was amazing. And I'll always be grateful to everybody that was a part of that. It was it was a really, really good thing to do. And then COVID happened and I decided I wanted to have a child. And overarching all of those things, I fell out of love with it and you know like you start a business you're like you're completely in love with it and it's just like it's all it's all there that feeling disappeared and again that's not freedom to me so um three days when my daughter showed up I decided that I was going to end it and stop doing it um it wasn't kind of it didn't end by itself I ended it and I then kind of spent six months with my with a newborn kind of thinking about what it was that I was best placed to do like really doing a lot of Assessments on myself, like wiring tests, thinking about it, and came up with with what we do now.
1: I love it. It's it's such a like pivot, and I think I'm really pleased that you said that the business you'd built didn't look like freedom for you anymore. And because I think <laughs> we forget that whatever we do and the goals we set for ourselves, like first of all, it's okay to change your mind, and also yeah. um, you need to do something that aligns with you and your values and what you want out of life in the first place. How, so what, how do you define freedom? What does it, what does it really mean to you?
0: It's funny cause we've been talking about that a lot at the moment. Cause freedom's somewhat, obviously one of our business core values as well. And I think it is, it's, it's ultimate power of choice. So it's being able to tell anybody, no, whether that's a client, whether that's somebody in your life, like you're not held to any situation or any engagement because of money or something like that, something arbitrary that doesn't, that doesn't really mean the big thing ultimate power of choice
2: oh so true this week I was offered an opportunity which 18 months ago would have blown my mind and I would have been like oh my goodness yes and I bought that 18 month ago version of myself to make the decision today and um but there was something just not right and um my my business coach said to me what happens if you say yes and straight away my gut went don't say yes, like, no. Um, And I just said, no, I I don't want to do it. And I said, I'm bringing this version of myself that makes me feel really ungrateful for saying no. But what we spoke about was the fact that when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. And actually I was scared of what else I'd have to say no to, because better opportunities. And I just to be able to actually say, no, thank you, but no, it's not right for me is is exactly that that is freedom whereas when you're employed or when you build a business that doesn't align with your values you're often having to say yes to things that you want to say no to and that's really it feels icky isn't it and what I think it has kind of internal confidence and self-belief like you saying no to that job not having your exams like you burnt the boats you were like, nah, well done. I'm, I'm going all in. There's some kind of self-confidence there. People don't always have that.
0: How, how do you build that? Um, how do you build that? Yeah, it was. it was it was three months. I had to I had to tell them three months before it was actually gonna happen. So I guess that is quite a long time. Um and they didn't put me in the garden either, so that's very interesting. Um, how do you build that some kind of self-confidence? I think. A lot of it is is the way you go through problems. So obviously everybody experiences adversity. Everyone experiences is challenges and you know various levels of difficulty. I think you build up confidence by the way you go through them. So for example, if you have a kind of a track record of going through things and keeping your head held high, keeping your dignity, being really clear on what it is that you want, and just taking it day by day, I think that builds up a lot of confidence. Um, and you almost build up like a, yeah, I think a track record is the right thing. Really. I haven't really, I hadn't really thought about that before, but like a track record of things that you've got through that each time you kind of elevate your sense of self step by step up the ladder. And when you look back at that picture, you're like, oh, actually, okay. Yeah, I can do things. <laughs> it's a trust in yourself, isn't
2: it? It's a trust in yourself yeah. that you're going to try your best, be the yeah. best version of yourself and whatever oh. the outcome you know you've not been a bad person and that you haven't let anyone down on purpose. And I can definitely see like, i you know, and I often talk about the failures I've had, but every time I've had a failure, the next one was an upgraded level of failure, not necessarily bigger, sometimes bigger, but it was a different one. I did learn from the previous and and I think I've always, as long as I don't keep making the same mistakes, then I trust that I'm doing like, I'm trying to, it's about move, wanting to move forward And trusting, it is a trust in yourself. Um, And I like that idea of thinking back over your track record. We often say to people, think back to the last three months. What have you achieved? Because we so quickly forget all the things we've done and ticked off. We're so quick thinking about the next thing. And I suppose that comes into this new year's resolutions and holding ourselves accountable to new goals this year. We're so quick to forget and reflect and go, don't forget you've done this, this and this. Mm. I think it's a a human condition isn't it we're quick to go want to move on to the next thing and think oh we've not achieved that yet and start feeling bad about the thing we've not achieved rather than thinking back to the
0: things we've done yeah I'm a massive Grant Cardone fan and um, I went to an event in Miami in August and one of his CEOs was speaking on one of the businesses and her name's Natalie Dawson and she recommended to the audience an exercise which was basically writing out the major events of your life like going back right to day dot like what were the events that happened that made you you know things like graduation first relationship ending um a conversation that rocked you to your core all those things and i did that exercise and that was really really helpful on a, on a self-trust level because i think you're right it is a, it is fundamentally about self-trust and if you can see a list in front of your face like all those things that made you who you are you can build up a picture of your own resilience much more so than you can just living like
1: day to day in your head being yeah. you are. i love the <laughs> idea of having a picture of resilience rather than um i think sometimes we talk about money and goals uh without bookkeeping keeping clients and we find that it it's quite emotional to go back you know like we we've done this exercise i remember doing it with you joe and we were like working back and we we're like right in the last year what have we achieved in the last five years what have we achieved for the last 10 years what have we achieved and you're sort of thinking back you like, oh god 10 years ago i was living there and i was doing that and then you're like oh and that thing happened and you haven't thought about it for a while because you've put it away as, you know, oh, you know, that wasn't great. Um, but yeah, you, you've you always evolved. And sometimes you can see what is leading to, I don't know, the sort of underlying theme that always meant you are now where you where you are because it was always meant to be. Just you didn't know it at the time because you went through that experience and it felt so bad. Um, I, that's a, such a good exercise for anyone watching this. Um, yeah, we were talking about you were talk, when you introduced yourself. You were saying about how you help people re- get through the seven, eight, nine-figure goals, right? And this morning, we've just come, we've come off of the call. We've been working with some of the bookkeepers in our success lounge, and we've been doing a, some strategy sessions. And we were talking about the goals that we have for the next year. And towards the end of the session, everyone has sort of said, "You know, this is my goal. This is how much extra I need to be bringing in XYZ." And I said, "Do you believe?" that you can hit reach that goal. And I think, and a lot of people on the call, I, I, I no one actually said out loud, but I could see people sort of shaking their heads. Oh, actually, I don't, I don't know if I can. And I imagine that the clients that you're working with, with those bigger targets, also have a, a level, of, you know, and I uh, also have a level of doubt around their ability. Do you think it ever goes away? The, um, I don't know, trust in yourself or the lack of belief in yourself. Do you ever grow out of that?
0: I'll tell you what, I'm going to give an, an an answer I wouldn't expect because I'm I am from the people I've seen and people we've worked with. I would say that I'm closer to the point of saying yes than I ever have been, because I've seen people who I think it has, and I would say generally, those that are making the most money are closer to the yes for it going away than those who are making the least. So maybe that's the thing. I'm suddenly just realizing that as I'm speaking, maybe that's the thing, because I've sat with owner business owners of kind of 60, 70 million, that sort of range and upwards, and they spout some mad things. But they genuinely believe it. They genuinely do. And they don't always do it. You know they have rough years and they have years where none of the plans happen but they're still sat there like yeah we're doing this and we're doing that and all that all this that and the other so I think I think it can go away yeah mm. I,
2: I I completely agree I think it's I in my own personal journey I've definitely noticed that I'm not so scared to make big goals and no, and not achieve them because I know I get closer to them
1: yeah.
2: and I'm closer to that one than I was my last year goal. Um, and it, and nothing bad happens. Only good things happen by having belief in myself. Yeah. Nothing yeah. bad's ever happened. And that is that trust thing, isn't it? You trust that you're going to aim for those stars and, you know, you're going to get closer to them than you are right now. And that's, and that's okay. I think, do you know what? Maybe, I think it's mostly come from our school system and things like that, where there was targets and then it was seen as bad if you didn't hit. Whereas in, in now in business, you can have a target and not hit it, but still go, well, what else have we learned along the way? There were still so many lessons and look where we've grown here, here and here. And yeah, that we did that thing bad, but let's learn from it. Whereas I think as we brought up in the education system... It's like, you didn't do that. That was bad. Try harder. (laughs) And I think maybe that's what we're bringing into business. um, That we see ourselves as failures if we don't hit our targets. Whereas I don't think I believe that anymore. That belief system's gone. And I'm just like, let's dream big. Let's just go for it. Because do you know what? Who knows what's going to happen along the way? It's just going to be. And I think, and that's the other thing. I see it as more fun. I bring fun to a goal I bring a different energy rather than you know success or failure it's just yeah like, it's not, not the it's way. life-ending
0: is it like you know at school if you don't get the GCSE grade you're not going to go to uni and you're never going to be a doctor and all of that and it's like it feels catastrophic at that age whereas now I think you nailed it it's it, yeah, it's yes not as life-ending It's not as either way, your life's going to change. If you hit it, it's going to change. If you don't hit it, it's going to change. And you don't know what kind of little weird roundabouty things you need to go through to end up there. So you just have to like, I feel like as I get older and as I kind of go through more of this stuff, I'm like falling more in love with the woman that I'm becoming through that process, as opposed to the end goal. I mean, you know, I want the end goals. I want this, that, and they're hundred percent, but it's like the real prize without sounding like kind of a Hallmark card or whatever is is like who this box ends up being and if 10 years ago me saw who this box is now i'd be quite pleased and 10 year me in the in the future i believe like what the hell is going on here this was a mess you know <laughs> like that whole thing oh yeah i i love that like
1: yeah being able to yeah, be proud of yourself. It's like looking back at your it's like looking back at yourself, like often we, we, when we are talking about goals and things that we want, and you know, what would we like to achieve this year? And we're like, Oh, you know, but I can't because of X, Y, and Z. And then you think back to your like childhood self or your younger self who would have loved that. And, um, and you're like, why am I being so mean to her? Like, why would I do that to myself? And actually, wouldn't it be nice to be able to say to her, hey, do you know in 20 years, you're gonna be doing this? And like for her to know that's pretty cool. Um, yes. Yeah. What's the best, like when you set goals for yourself, Amy, when you're working with your clients, what what is involved in that? How do you, how do you, you know, the big mad ideas, Sarah was saying in the comments here, I would love to believe my mad ideas. How do you generate that? Like, how do you get to be like have real freedom with setting your goals?
0: Tell you what, that's the thing I find the hardest. So, I'm a big believer in knowing your wiring and knowing your strengths and the areas where you're not going to be as strong. Um, there's a test called Rocket Fuel, which I think is a really, really good one. It's part of um, a system called EOS, and basically, it says two sides of of a thing. You're an ideas person, a get things started person, or you're somebody that finishes things and ties all the loose ends together. And like, what percentage of each are you? And most people will fall down really strongly on one side or the other. And apparently 3% could be either. And I'm one of the 3% that could be either. And I'm good at vision in terms of like seeing a a bigger picture and wanting life to be different. But in terms of setting a specific like goal or kind of a crazy idea, I need help. With that from people that are more visionary so i'd say the first thing really is kind of is knowing having that data on yourself and being able to call on those that are better on either side in this side the call on the ideas people um to help you kind of actually flesh out what this kind of like more esoteric thing actually looks like um and in terms of goals i think the best thing someone ever said to me was it needs to be like it needs to make you feel a little bit sick if you don't feel like a little bit sick um if you said it in public, then it's it's, it's not really, it's not the one. So I I, I try and do that. Yeah, try and make yourself feel a bit sick. I love that. That's a good goal.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, listening to you talk about the fact that you work with seven, eight, nine figure business owners, I know that when we started this community, and we still have people look at us like, six figure bookkeeper, that's impossible. What are you talking about? And it's only now that we have, you know, I and when I started it, I wasn't a six-figure bookkeeper. I set it as a, put it out there to the world that there is a thing of six-figure, because there wasn't any. So we created that. And now, because other people create, it's like, yeah, this is a thing. We've created something that wasn't in existence. And you now talking about seven, eight, nine-figure business owners, I know for me, I'm like, what? Wow, I, I know they exist, but it feels like, so big and so massive. Where did you and I know how like bookkeepers are struggling to see themselves as six-figure bookkeepers? So and then working when they work with six-figure business owners, they see themselves as less than because it's like, well, they're here. How do you work working with people that are so successful, or maybe they're not? They've got the turnover. Maybe they're not as profitable as they. Where did you get the confidence to go, I can sit across the table from you and share my ideas, regardless, you know, I don't know how much you earn, what your turnover is. But None of those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, how do you how do you get that confidence? And that's so I think that'd be really useful for our bookkeepers to understand because they don't see themselves as the same. And then how can they how can they be advisors to these people?
0: Yeah, yeah I think that's a really great question. And I can first off, I can relate to the feeling. Like for sure, I can remember really strongly having that feeling in like business coaching masterminds in particular, being the person that I knew and the, le- the least in that room and being like, Oh God, I'm like, I can't really say anything. Cause I feel like this is going to be really stupid compared to what everyone else seems to know. So I totally, I totally relate. Um, we're not a seven, eight or nine figure business. We are, we are multi six. We're not seven. Um we're second year in business, our goal for the second year was, is to get to seven. So we've got five months to go, no pressure guys. Um, but you know, we could do it, we might not do it. Either way, like as we said earlier, like it'll be okay. Um, I do want to do it though. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the confidence sit in the room, I think the biggest thing genuinely is, is knowing who you are. And again, those, I'm gonna sound like a bit of a broken record, but those wiring assessments, things like the rocket fuel, Uh, There's one called High Five, there's one called Colby, Four Tendencies, Human Design, like do as many of those as you possibly can to get to really, really get to know like what is your niche in terms of not what your business is or anything like that, but in terms of like who you are as a person and like what is in here and in here that that is completely unique. Um, But loads of people tell me that my wiring is quite weird and that made me think, okay, cool, there's something in that that I can use to help people because... I can see things that other people can't in this particular realm. And then kind of having that data on myself then enabled me to feel like, okay, where are my gaps? how can I plug that with a team member? And where are my strengths that I need to replicate with a team member who I want to produce the same result as me or a combination of of both of those things sometimes. So I think that gave me a lot of confidence. Um, And then just proof of concept, you know, you start off, the first client I ever worked with in this realm was like kind of early six figures um and then the next one was a bit bigger and the next one was a bit bigger and then a 60 million came along and I was like wow okay really really you know are you sure kind of thing um and then another 60 million one came along and I was like okay yeah feel better about this this time so it's like exposure therapy you know like you go in a little bit bigger each time and you're a little bit less scared each time and then you get to the point where I honestly genuinely if like a two or three hundred million one turned up tomorrow I would be okay with it because I know that we I know we can do it
1: oh I love that I think um with um with bookkeeping particularly I think lots of people who are newer to the space will think oh I just start with this like the smallest sole small traders but the the challenge is you end up with heaps and heaps of clients who aren't paying you very much and actually that takes a lot of bandwidth and then it creates this I mean you can build a business that can deal with that if you have a very automated system where you don't have a lot of contact time with your clients, it's possible but you have to build a different type of business to the business, which we were talking about, where you sit on the other side of the table from the business owner, and you talk to them about their finances because you haven't got time when you've got people, the small, the very small clients, you can't give them as much time as someone who is investing in your support and, and your insight and for you to come to the table as their sort of equal and share what you know. So it's like choosing the kind of clients you want and I guess you've probably found that as well like being able to choose the clients you want means you can then design the team and the support that you want to give them and the Joe and I would talk about the gold standard service that you want to deliver to that kind of client so you can do your best work and then you can look for more and you get known for doing that kind of thing this is exactly what we want to do in bookkeeping as well
0: yeah, I think it depends on what your end goal is as well for the business. Like, is it is it a business that you're creating for yourself to give you a certain kind of lifestyle, in which case what you're actually doing day to day is really, really important in terms of, I'm assuming in that situation, you probably want the, the second practice that you said, where you have more time with clients and you can be more advisory. Whereas if you want to kind of have lots of clients and you can't give them that time, that I would see as being more an asset separate to yourself to then at some point intend to leverage through selling.
2: Amy... Make- I want to know more about your journey with this. This is fascinating me because so (laughs) you're, and I'm just being nosy, but your insurance background, then being a business owner of a gym, and then deciding you're going into this space with bookkeepers, they do qualification after exam, after qualification, after exam, Uh, they keep going because they feel like they need to know all this stuff before they can be the advisor. What, qualifications or exams do you have to sit across the table from a seven, eight, nine figure business owners to talk about their systems and processes and how they're going to like improve their business?
0: Um, I have a law degree. That's it. Yeah. So that was, I, like, I wanted to know I, ago, because yeah,
2: yeah it, it's not, it's, but they're not looking for you to be the lawyer for their firm. I'm not a
0: lawyer. No, hundred percent.
2: Exactly. <laughs> And I just think this is my, like, you're, you've you created this business and you've seen an opportunity and you're helping people and you're getting results because people <laughs> wouldn't be hiring you if you weren't, but you haven't got a piece of paper that tells you you're qualified to do so.
0: Oh, and I'm not a qualified management consultant. I don't have, you know, I don't even know what the exams are. I no, literally don't, don't, I don't even either. know I can pull a list off. There will be, there will be out there and there will be plenty of people who've got them all. But may not get the kind of results that we get because I just there's so much more to it than that.
2: So what do you do, and how do you help? Like, what I want to understand, like, what is your offering? So your messaging to a like it must be obviously you get must be getting referrals and things as well. But what is your offer? What's your gold standard service you're offering?
0: Yeah. So right now, I think everything so far we have right now is is referral, which is pretty cool. So I've never managed to nail that before. Um, So all our clients are founders. So they're all founders, owners, um, sorry, bar one, they're all founders, owners of businesses that they have started. So generally speaking, we say we say seven, eight, nine figure, we do have clients that are upper six for seven, 800,000, they've got to that point. At that point, it gets pretty sticky for a business owner entrepreneur to run that business most of the time because they're not wired to do it. So they have lots of ideas, they like the vision, they like the strategic stuff, they like the sales they don't like managing people the bad at processes bad at systems and it's just it kills them it starts to slowly kill them till it reaches kind of fever pitch and so at that point if you want to grow this thing and if you want to survive in the process um you you need to set up an operational house if you will that works so there's somebody at the top that's wired to run it a strong kind of I'm going to say aggressive operations director and then systems and processes and a team underneath them that can all do the things that they need to be able to do. So business owners generally come to us and they say things like, it's killing me. Um, I'm working all the time. People aren't doing the things they should be doing. I don't get it. I keep hiring people. They keep leaving all the good ones leave, all the not so good ones stay, and they can't even do the basic replying to email stuff. Um, And basically what we do is we sit in a room with them and any other significant leadership members of the team and ask them a load of questions after doing quite a lot of research. So we do what we call a, a business as usual audit. So we ask them a ton of questions. We figure out exactly what is going on. And our objective is to find out what the problem is and often very almost almost always actually what you find is the business owner will think the problem is over here so they're desperately swarming all their resources into this thing to try and fix it and obviously it keeps failing and even more annoyingly every month or two it will look like it's it's coming coming good and they're fixing it a month later it's gone straight back down the pan again and they're even closer to like just give just kicking it all out the door and being like "Nah, i'm done so problems actually over here and it's often a lot easier and a lot simpler to fix it than they think which is like the great news so we ask those questions we figure out the problem we write a strategy to resolve that problem and then it's up to them whether they want to implement it with their team or to implement it um, with us so far everyone has implemented it with us which is great Um, and basically what we do is we provide a team to come in and do some of the thing and most importantly to coach the existing and permanent team on how to do these things so that they can write a good process they can have difficult conversations with people if they need to terminate or performance manage that kind of thing so we kind of coach and facilitate the question process and then the implementation as well
1: what's amazing is when i think about a bookkeeper and anyone running a bookkeeper or accountancy practice this is what we do but in a finance world. And your client, and and you know, Joe and I spend all day talking about work out who your ideal client is, understand what their pain points are, you, you know, get into yeah. their mind. You were able to describe my clients come to me, and these this is the language they use. They tell me it's killing them, you know, these kind of things, and people are leaving. This is the stuff we need to know about our clients as well, so that we can find more of those people. And by you saying, I work with six, seven, eight figure, nine figure business owners, sorry, not six, seven, eight, nine business, business owners. <laughs> <laughs> um, by saying that, you have you're not afraid to say, these people aren't for me this is where I'm great at doing what I do. And I think there's so much that anyone listening to this can learn about really owning your space, like knowing your expertise. You've done so much work around understanding your skill set. Like I love Strength finder, which is like another yeah. quiz thing. And it's like, don't uh, don't bother trying to be mediocre at the stuff you're rubbish at. Just be really, really good at the stuff you're good at and fill the gaps with other people. And then like you say, train the other people who to do the good things that you already do so you can scale that. Um, there's so much we can take from and it's it's so good to hear it because um, because it's just evidence that this is so important so anyone listening to this go back and listen again and just think like what well what about how does this apply to me and to my my clients and the offer that I have how do I come in and fix the problem they have because they probably have a problem they've never got any cash or you know they they never know if they're gonna be able to pay their payroll or they want to grow and they don't know if they can afford to so actually the bookkeeper or accountant coming in and saying well um what's going on here how do you pay this thing where's all the money understanding it and gathering that picture which you will do when you're onboarding any client and then saying to your client, well, look here, I'm the expert here, because often we're guided by our client thinking they know everything um, because it's their business, fair enough. But actually, you have the experience. And saying, well, in my experience, working with a business of your size and doing the in the industry you are, this software is going to work really well for you and this is how we're going to implement it. Boom, boom, boom. Do you want me to do it? it? It's that confidence to do that. And you've really got it, Amy. I love it.
0: I think... Thank you. I think, two, yeah, kind of two things I would say is that the reason that we know is because we talk about it a lot, and because we've worked with clients that were not within the the, the ranges that I say, and it didn't work, because working with clients that were a lot smaller, they just hadn't, they hadn't had the t- enough time, enough experience to get in enough pain to value the experience, and they weren't also always sold on the fact that they were going to grow it to something big. Cause I think everyone thinks they're going to grow up to something big, but then if you're not a hundred percent sure, you're not going to do the things that get there. So we'd kind of find ourselves getting frustrated and getting held up because we, we could, we could see what this could become. We could see all the things that needed to be done to get it there. But then if the owner wasn't completely sold on it, we just couldn't do it. So that was what made us kind of put the lower limit on it. Um, yeah. So I guess it's the trial and error piece, isn't it really? Let's back to that again
1: can you talk to me about um if you if you can if you listened to this and you're thinking right okay i'm i'm motivated and inspired and i'm ready 2024s here i need to think about setting bigger goals how do, how does accountability come into this so i really want to you know talk about how we achieve more faster and i know it's about having the right frameworks to make sure that you can get the stuff done how how does accountability fit into this
0: yeah so there's kind of two different ways I would see it one would be accountability within yourself which I think is the most important thing and then second would be external accountability so with a coach or with a friend or with a with the team if you're working in a larger organization um but like I said I think this, the self accountability is the biggest thing and I think from that's probably the thing for me that sets me apart in terms of being able to achieve things is because I don't need somebody else to say are you doing this I'm like I know what I'm doing I know what I want and I'm bought in enough to that process to keep going with it regardless of what happens um so how to how to kind of to get to that place I would say that the the first most important thing is clarity like you need to know what you want and if you can't say what you want and want it enough to get up at 5am for it then you're not you're just not there yet you haven't figured it out yet and like that's totally okay like if you have to figure it out every day for the next year and then at the end of the year, you're like, OK, now I know. And now I'm being like pulled by this thing, like pulled forwards to do it rather than pushed from behind by somebody else. Then then that's the that's the damn good 2024, in my opinion, even if you just did that.
2: Do you know, and it's so true. You know, when you said earlier, it has to make you feel a bit sick. I know that yeah. sounds a bit, uh, but I think it's you have to have a visceral reaction and it has to make it's, it's physically needs yeah. to move you, not just, oh, that'd be nice. Because <laughs> that, no. that's not going to get you out of bed. That's not going to make you do hard things. That's not going to make you say things to people that you don't want to say, but you need to say. It's all, you, you know, you, that you've got to feel actually like, oh my, I, that's it. That is the thing I'm going for. And we was trying that earlier with some um, people about, like, they're like, oh, I need this amount of money but I don't know what I want. And then we was like, well, you know, first of all, I like to say play like the the lottery game, you know, like if, you know, when you lay there, they, oh, if I won the lottery, I'd have that. What are those things you think about? And then really think what is what, is, and then when you get to something and usually sometimes it's for someone else, like mm. sometimes I've had to practice this. I've got better now for me, but at the beginning, I just couldn't, I could do things for other people and not for me, especially kids. You know, I yep. can, I can have a big massive goal for my children um and i think it's about getting you have to practice it it's like anything it's like you know you have to strengthen that um and get used to it because maybe you've never had never been allowed to think like this before i know for a very long time you know, I was always, I was at school and things I was called a show off and bossy boots and all these things. So then you dampen and you make yourself smaller and you think, oh, God, that's just me being me, you know, wanting mm. these things. I'm so selfish. And, you know, you know, how dare I? And now we're saying, well, dream bigger. You're like, God, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> like, you know, um, so I think we have to practice. And it's okay if you're not really sure right now and you can practice and maybe and that's why i say maybe practice for someone else that you love and yeah work for them and then
0: you kind of use that muscle yeah it's like a desire muscle it's like as you say i imagine so many people can relate to the whole like too much show off get back in your box like that whole narrative and you know we we, we talk about and laugh actually quite a lot about the things that particularly me and Jules, who we're, we're building this together um the things we've been called and you know, I've been called aggressive more times than I can count um in a bad way because I, I like that word um and it's just like it' it becomes funny when you get to the place where you can actually see both the light and the dark side of the of the characteristic and when it can be really good and really powerful when it can be you know, not as good and not as good um it becomes funny and it and it then it becomes like something that you can utilize in terms of building that desire muscle because you see you see what the flip side gives you so yeah practice like practice on anything like practice even like I tell you what something I used to do um because I haven't always been like this and that I think is really helpful because I think sometimes people will sort of people say to me you know um how is this really easy for you and I'm like it's easy quite it's easy now but like 10 years ago I couldn't have stood up in a networking room. so like even if you go into a cafe, order what you actually want, rather than the thing that you always order, or the thing that you ordered when you were a kid, or the thing that's on offer. Just like practice the desire muscle by doing things that are little like that, but actually require quite a lot of emotional energy in that moment.
2: Oh, I, I love, I love that. That's so so easy to do. Ordering the things you actually want, and that like, and I, like this morning, do you know, I put on my favourite perfume this morning for no reason. I'm in the room on my own. No one, no one's smelling me. But I know I'm wearing it, and I was like, I'm just going to do that today. And that's it's those it's practicing the little things like that. But um, yeah, I I, t- I think I always order what I want. But um, yeah, I think it's a. <laughs> but it's funny to think back to a time that there was definitely a time when I didn't, when I ordered what
1: I thought I should have. Yeah, you try and please other people. I'm having dinner with you tonight, Joe. so I don't know what we're going to be eating tonight. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Oh, Amy, thank you so much for coming to chat to us. I think there's so much we can take from today. How can people connect with you and find out more about what you do?
0: Yeah, so I'm most active on LinkedIn and Instagram, so you can find me on LinkedIn, Amy Bingham. You can find us on LinkedIn, Black and Blue Business just black and and as like a actual word rather than a little squiggly thing um and you can find me on instagram amy bingham underscore uk as well
1: amazing oh thanks for being here and thanks everyone for joining us for the first podcast of the year it's great to be back and we'll see you next week for another episode of the podcast take care bye Bye. Bye. thanks for joining us for the bookkeepers podcast why not join us in the six figure bookkeepers club at sixfigurebookkeeper.club or visit our website sixfigurebookkeeper.com